You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Yes, welcome to episode 340 of The Dice Men Cometh, coming to you almost live... From PAX. Mm-hmm. Mark, you and I are very, very lucky to be heading over to PAX on one of those aeroplane things that yes. I've heard so much about while Leon stays at home and does our laundry. Uh, I'll be at. No, actually, I might not be. What date is PAX again? So the 7th of October, the 8th of October, and even the 9th of October mm. at Jeff Shed in Melbourne. And two of the three dice men will be there for all three. Days. Absolutely, it's going to be so much fun. I mean, how many years has it been since Pax Operate was twenty nineteen? The last I one, think so yeah. well, you've got oh to my issue. goodness. Jeff Shed, you just go on to go on to Melbourne just to go to some bloke shed. Yeah, I mean, I think I've done better just by staying at home and you know keeping the cash. To be honest, <laughs> well, quite possibly. But anyway, to, speaking of sheds, the dice men come without recording live from our own studio slash shed. The dice shed, yeah, exactly right. So for those of you who are new to the show, it's all about gaming. It's all about tabletop gaming. If you can do a thing on a table that involves dice or meeple or cards or anything else, this is possibly the show that is going to pique your interest. And if you can roll dice while putting meeples on cards, it doesn't get any better. Oh, man. So good. So if you're at PAX, come and say hi. You'll see two old men with beards with probably Dice Men Cometh hoodies on. I was about to say, that's going to narrow it down, but yes, the hoodies will probably narrow it down. We'll have, we'll have a mobile recording device, so if you want to hear your voice yeah. on our show, you've got to come and say hi and tell us how awesome at least two of us are because Leon won't be there. So. I would actually uh, recommend and advise, uh, for my sake, please, to, to remind them that they have a mobile recording device on them. I don't want them there to be having fun. You're there to work, and I don't want you there. You're not allowed to touch any booze. No, 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 no. There'll be none of that. There'll be no booze. There'll be no food. No eating. You're there to work. <laughs> Maybe you can play some board games if you have to, but yes, you're there to do a job, lads. Yes, yes Dad. There we go. I'm You're glad welcome. we didn't invite the party pooper. <laughs> so anyway, tonight on episode 340, I am taking the episode off. So for those of you who listened to episode 339, it was basically the Garth Trakirion show. Yeah. Uh, my voice buds are still recovering. Yeah. And it is time for Mark and Leon to do some heavy lifting. But before we get into this particular show, we do need to thank, as always, our long-term sponsors, LFG. And we also need to thank you... The friends of the Dice Man, mm. especially those Patreon backers, and you know who you are. Yeah. But if you like what you hear, yeah. And if you want to hear more of it, and better stuff too, including secret episodes that may get a little blue. Yeah. Also, custom dice. Yeah, we do swears. It's really fun. And you get to send us questions. And we even answer those questions on our secret episodes. Did I mention there's a secret episode? You certainly did. So jump onto Patreon, type in the Dice Men Cometh, have a look at our faces and go, yep, I can see why they do radio. (laughs) Send us some money and you'll get a whole bunch of extra bonuses, including entries into our secret only Patreon prize giveaway. Oh, yes. Where we have... I think it's now categorically a truckload of games to give away. Yes, it's taking up a lot of room in my game room at the moment. So, 
Now that we've done all of that business, let's talk games. Uh-huh. I'm uh, I'm out of here. I'll leave it to you guys. No, you've you've got to tell us what we're going to talk about. Oh, that's still your Garth, job. What are we talking about in this show? Well, tonight we're going to be talking about two important games, and they're so very very similar. They they're are so so similar. We theme so, these shows, and we're doing it well. So look, you know, tagging towns, marking your territory is something that I guess the, the Hansa Teutonic League from the 1300s was probably well known for. Is that right, Mark? Hanseatic League. Hanseatic League. So we're going to start by talking about the Euroist of Euros. Mm. It couldn't look more Euro. And for those who don't know what a Euro is, type in Hansa Teutonica and you go, yep, that's a Euro. Mm. Mark's going to tell us all about it because it's one of the few games that he was there during the creation of <laughs> In the 1300s, before young punk Leon yeah. takes over this show and puts in a little bit of radicalness. Yeah, because I'm going to be talking about a game called Wild Styles. I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced. A new game by Pandasaurus that was sent to us by our good friends at Let's Play Games. Absolutely. So we're going to start with the old and end with the new. Huh? <laughs> All right. Wake up, Mark. <laughs> with that amazing segue. Yeah. Let's go back in time. Unfortunately, I don't have a no. sound effect. Mark, do you want to tell us all about Hansa Teutonica? Uh, I do, but before I do, are we going to take a little break so we can come back and talk about games? You're here with the Dice Man Cometh. Yes. We'll be back in a second. Hi, this is Ella from Ella Loves Board Games, and my favorite podcast is The Dice Men Coming. Welcome back from the break. Oh, still The Dice Men Cometh, and now... The break is going to be like five seconds. I know! <laughs> you made me do it. Things it's have changed. the format for yes, a reason. Things have changed around here, but the format must continue. That's All right. right. It's Dice Men Cometh. Mark. Garth. Tell us about the... <laughs> can't believe how Euro this game is as someone who's played it. Sure, sure. Euro Euronica. Surely you've got some sort of sound effect for Euros there on yeah. the board, I reckon, Garth. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, that one. Oh, oh, oh. Are they funky? Once, Are Euros once, funky? Once more. Yep, yeah, that'll that's it. it. That's hey, it. you heard about Euro games. Yeah. They're a bit sexy in a sort of not at all kind of way. All right, Garth. Fantastic. There was another computer startup sound. <laughs> Let me tell you about Hansa Teutonica, a game released in 2009. Leon, were you born then? Yes. Just? No. Oh, okay. I was an old man. I was okay. at the ripe old age of 22. Okay. Well, this game was designed by Andreas Stedding. Now, you may remember his name from about two or three episodes ago when we talked about a little game called Googong, because he invented, designed that game as well. Now, Hansa Teutonica... No, no, no. He, he invented it. You got it right. <laughs> That's what we're saying from now on, the game inventor. You might be surprised to know, Garth, this Euroist of Euro games. It's actually ranked 130 on Board Game Geek, and in fact, so close to cracking the top 100 strategy games, because it's Euro Game 101 in the strategy go. games. Now, another fun fact, the art is by Dennis Lohausen. Now, if you looked at this game and you thought, Dennis Lohausen, art? I'm not 
I'm not really. Uh, I'm not knowing that name. I think the game design, the uh, the artist. You sure he's not called Mr. Sandy Torp or Mr. Beige Camel? Because that's the colour palette of this game. But... Mr. Beige Camel, that's the guy who taught you how to smoke in the 50s, <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> No, that's Sandy Torp. Oh, sorry. But Dennis Lohausen, Lohausen, yes, Lohausen, he did the art for eight games in the BGG Top 100. Wow. Can you guess any of them? Well, I mean, obviously, based on the fact this is the Euro East of Euro game, so we've got you know we've got Gloomhaven, no, we've got Twilight Imperium, no. <laughs> uh, are, they, are they all Euro games? Uh, yep. Power Grid, <laughs> no. Cascadia, uh, no. Um, a, a, an old version of Brass, no. I don't know why I said Cascadia. I meant Concordia, no. But let me save you the trouble Thank because you. a little game was a popular among us not so long ago called. <laughs> Ark Nova. Uh, I was going to say Through the Ages. Uh, Gaia Project. Mm-hmm. Feast for Odin. Terra Mystica. And even the Quacks of Quadlingberg. Ah. Just to name a few. There we go. Okay. Lots so doing Hansa so before you scoff at Hansa Teutonica and its, uh, its pedigree, let me tell you that not only did it win the 2009 Meeple's Choice Award, it was on the 2010 Spiel des Jahres recommended list. It was the 2010 Spiel des Spieler hit for Exputen recommended. It was the 2020 Yotar Best Heavy Board Game nominee. It was in the 2010 International Gamers Award nominated for the Best General Strategy Multiplayer Game. It was the nominee for the 2010 Golden Geek Most Innovative Board Game. Innovative. That must have been a... Not so innovative year, 2010, but it also won the 2010 Golden Geek Best Strategy Board Game, and it was still kept keeping on, keeping on, because in 2011 it won the Niederlanzer Spielenpreise. Oh, of course it did. I was only uh, saying that the other day. So multi-award winning game, and look, maybe the name doesn't ex- inspire you. It originally was called Wettstreit der Händler. That's better. Or yeah. the competition of traders. Oh, my God. I mean, that would have got the kids in. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But Hansa was what the locals called the Hanseatic League. And I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. Teutonica, it's Latin. Oh, I see. You know what Latin is, Garth? I do. It's a, not a Vene, Vene, style. Vene, so um, Teutonica is Latin for German or Germanic. Yeah. So it's the Germanic... Hanseatic Trading League, which it's just getting more exciting. Just out of the show completely. Is it, <laughs> is it called a dead language because no active society speaks it? Is that why it's called a dead? Because we still know what the words are and what they mean. So it's not exactly dead, is it? I don't know. Right. It's just something I've always wondered. <laughs> and evidently, you two old fuddy-duddies don't know either. Well, look, speaking of fuddy-duddies, let me tell you, Leon, about the word Hansa. Oh, I know oh. about that. Garth whipped out the Google. While he does that, I'll tell you that Hansa is derived from the old high German word for crowd. And it's been used for communities of travelling merchants since the 12th century. I remember it just like it was yesterday. So long-distance merchants joined forces to better protect themselves against pirates and to... I didn't know this was a pirate thing game. And to jointly pursue their economic interests. And that was the laying of the foundation stone for the Hanseatic League. Now... Wow. Now, wait. 
Yeah. Right? Well, oh. We've got important stuff. Dead languages? Yeah. So, an extinct language uh-huh. is a language that no longer has any speakers, especially if the language has no living descendants. Right. However, in contrast, a dead language is one that is no longer the native language of any community, even if it is still in use, like Latin. Uh-huh. So, while right. it is spoken... Some words yeah. is not the language of a particular place. That would be an extinct language if it was not used by anybody ever for any reason. Okay. There okay. We've all and learned thus something. endeth the lesson. Yes. I digress. Just, yeah. I do, yeah, anyway. Now back Great. to the excitement of... So let me tell you a bit yes. about trade across borders. Please. Like, because in the heyday of the Hansardic League, more than 200 towns were part of it, mainly around the Baltic Sea and inland up to the line of Cologne, Erfurt, and Krakow. Of course. However, the influence of the Hansardic League extended far beyond this area, and with trading posts all the way from Portugal to Russia and from Finland to the Mediterranean. In fact, in Novgorod, Bruges, London, and Bergen, the long-distance traders founded four large contours, which is like their head offices, and then smaller branches were established in many other trading centres. And for more than 400 years, the Hansardic League shaped the economy, trade and politics in Northern Europe before losing its importance in the middle of the 17th century. I was only just thinking that. <laughs> However, oh, it more. doesn't stop there, the history lesson, because there is, in fact, a modern day Hansa. What does Hansa mean, Leon? Forgotten. Crowd. That's the one. <laughs> where 200 odd cities again have joined forces. But today, it's no longer about asserting economic interests, but rather an exchange of cross-border cooperation. The Union of Cities, or Hansa, aims to promote the cultural heritage and Hanseatic identity in those member cities and to work together for a united and peaceful Europe. We could use some of that right now. And essential topics of cooperation are tourism, remember that, culture, and sustainability. I'm just going to have a little kip, if that's all right. (laughs) Yeah, I need to put some snoring sound effects on here as well. All right, now, did I mention that Hansa Todd is a game? Oh, I think you're going to tell you about the game now. You've had a little history lesson. Oh, cool. I like games. Games I like. So (laughs) what do you want to do in Hansa Teutonica? Well, in Hansa Teutonica, you're attempting to increase your standing as a merchant in the Hansatic League by gaining, what do you reckon, Leon? Crowds. Prestige points, not your victory points. No. Those are for non-Hansatic League players. Fame. Prestige points. Now, these can be uh, gained in different ways, including establishing a network of offices in new cities or improving your trading skills. Players will accomplish various activities during their turn. Sounds like some sort of game. Traders and merchants may be inserted on the game board, moved, or even used to displace other players, traders, and merchants. And if you eventually occupy an entire trade route between two cities, you can establish a new offer scarf. Wow. However, you may also instead choose to develop your trading skills, improving your abilities. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about this game... I oh, please. Did... Can you tell us more? <laughs> well, please, no, really tell us more. Pretty sure that's the idea of what we're doing To here. save you for listening to me for too long, I would recommend a little video by a team called Shut Up and Sit Down. 
surprisingly, I was really surprised they actually covered this game, but they do a good job. Um, oh, do they now? Yeah, <laughs> as, as opposed to me. But in the beiges of beige games, you even have a two-sided board technology. One side, I think, does two to three players. The other side does four to five players. And there's even a big beige box Ooh. version. Wow. And it has... Extra boards. It has the most Euro art ever. A grumpy looking dude <laughs> facing up on the box, staring out into the distance. I reckon Just... it would have sold better if it was called the Big Beige Box. <laughs> but anyway. But look, one of the key parts of this game, and it's actually, it's quite clever. And I think maybe the first time that I can remember something like this in a game where you've got, wait for it, a player board. Ooh. And you've got a player board with not just one or two or three little things on there. It's got five things. <laughs> you've got not one, nor two, nor three, nor four. You wouldn't believe it. You've got That's five. right. Exactly. You've I got... thought it was a player desk, not a player well, board, I've... Mark. Okay. Sorry, am I, jumping, am I jumping ahead, am I? Thematically, it's a desk. <laughs> That's right. Ooh. But, you know... The big beige box would be super expensive if they had to put four desks in there, or in fact, five desks. So they've stylized the desk to be made of cardboard and flat. They've stylized the desk. That's right. Wow. Is Believe it, it or it, not, Leon. Is it a wild style? Let me... Oh, press, press the button, go. Oh. go. There you go. <laughs> Let me tell you about your board slash desk, Leon. You've got... Did I tell you there's five things on there? I have heard this. The first thing you've got there is your town keys. Now, a lot of people spend a lot of time looking at the town keys. I bet they do. They're very, Not much else going they're on. They're very attractive old school <laughs> keys. But they're very important. Good. Because these keys are a multiplier at the end of the game for your longest route. So if you manage to connect, let's say, 10 towns, well, if you've only got key one, the starting key unlocked, you're going to get 10 times... One points, which would be, Leon? Ten. Hey! Yeah. Um, but if you unlock the second key, you're going to get ten times two points. Double points! This now, this 20. is tricky, Leon. Yeah. If you unlock the third key, what do you think you're going to get? Is it triple points? No! Oh, sorry. I just, sorry. <laughs> no, it's still only double points because you've got to unlock two more keys before you get to three. Sorry, Mr. Rickard. It's tricky I, was, like I, was, I wasn't doodling a low pencil case. It's <laughs> tricky like that. You've also got the ability to give yourself more actions. Now, I know we talk about this a lot, but that is just the best thing you can do in a game is give yourself more I mean, this game sounds all about action, as far as I can tell. So when you start the game, you only actually get two actions. I mean, when you're trying to travel from one side of Europe to the other, two actions is not a lot. No. But by upgrading your actions, you get to do two actions, three actions... Aren't they called actionis, though? Actionis, yes, potentially they are. And then, Leon, yeah. the highlight of this desk is your privilegium. <laughs> I often, I've been told many times that my privilegium your, is my You can get your privilegium yep. from white to orange to purple to black, depending it, on how hard you work it. It depends on the weekend. It really That's does. right. So <laughs> your privilegium or your privilege level is how many towns and offices you get access to. And of course, the higher your privilege level, the more points you're going to get. Makes sense. You also have the Book of Law, and that gives you access to extra merchants. So you've got traders and merchants in this. Now, highly unthematically, your traders are square cubes and your merchants are round discs. 
Most of the spaces you can use either, but very occasionally there are special spots where you have to use a merchant and you've only got, at the start of the game, one of them. And then if you unlock the Book of Law to the next level, you get another one. So it lets you do some extra special little actions, slightly more powerful. And also, if you try to take the action where you boot someone out of a spot, it costs you more to boot out a merchant than it does a trader. Okay? Oh, okay. And I'm almost done here, Leon, but... Crazy talk. Yeah. Where is the favourite place for sticking your hand when you're at your desk? Uh... I'm not going to say it. In your bag. It's not a Patreon episode. <laughs> in your bag. Right. Back in the bag. Yeah. So what you've got in this is uh, in this game is you've got a pool of merchants and traders. You've got your um, you've got your personal supply, and then you've got the general supply. Um, a lot of older Euro games had this sort of concept, and so what the once you use the uh, the tokens, if you like, the merchants and the traders. They're not available anymore. You have to stick your hand in your bag and get access to more. And you can upgrade the size of your bag to let you grab more parts out of the bag to give you access to more things. Are you with me? Absolutely. So there's five things to do on your desk. It is just a desco fun. That is crazy. Yeah. So basically what you're going to do, you're going to use your actions or actions. Which is printed on the on the desk board. Yeah, I think that was the Latin version. Well, there you go. That's yeah, not a dead language, apparently. Exactly right. It's a digimicational. Uh, so what you're going to do is you're going to allocate resources from your personal supply. Maybe stick your hand in your bag. You're going to place resources. So you can place resources on the bag. You can uh, On the, the board, you can move resources from spots to another. You can displace other people's resources, which you tend to do a lot because it's really all about blocking access along these trade routes, very thematic. Uh, and when you block, usually you have to pay an extra resource. So if you want to put one down, you've got to spend two to do it. And then the other person gets to move their one and place that and another one in an adjacent area. It's a really powerful action. Mm. Um, and it is definitely something that you would deliberately do. You will deliberately place a merchant or a you trader in a spot that you don't want to go purely because it's the last available spot mm. on a route that you know that Mark wants to take. So you're going to go there. He's going to bump you out, but you get to move it for free and you get a bonus thing. It's awesome. Yeah. And so then if you've done everything right, hopefully you've got enough actionis left where you've completed a trade route where you then get a choice um, to either open an office at one of the towns at either end of the um, of the trade route, or if it's one of the special trade routes that lets you upgrade the abilities on your desk, you can do that instead, not both. There's also even a special town where you have to place a merchant, one of the roundists, to get bonus points, I don't know why, to give you big barrels, which gives you points at the end of the game. So there's... There's a lot of points at the end of the game. There's a lot of points mid-game. And there is this amazing little trigger. I have found both recent times I've played this where you've got a score track going around the outside of the board, which that's a common thing. But down the right-hand side, it has 0 to 20. The rest of the board goes around to 80 or something. But one of the end-game conditions is that score track being crossed at the 20-point mark, which is not many... A lot of your scoring will be done at the end of the game, but some of it is done throughout the game, for example, when you make those trade routes that I said. So 
Garth, you make a trade route in a town where I own an office at either end, I'm going to get two victory points, one for each office. And so it doesn't take long for someone to get to 20 points, which means this is certainly not a game, I believe, that overstays its welcome because that can really sneak up on you, that 20 points. And in fact, I think both times I've played this game recently, I've actually actively not scored one or two points to give me another couple of turns to do something to get more powerful desk or get my hand back in my bag to get access to more stuff to do other things. That does sound exactly like a thing that you would yeah. do. Yeah. Yes, whereas yeah. I would do the exact opposite. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And this game, like, if you want to hear about it, absolutely watch the Shut Up and Sit Down review of it. Um, it looks way, way, way older than 2010. Um, are we sure it didn't come out in like the 50s or 60s? Like, it really doesn't look particularly new. Well, even in the big box where they've slightly jazzed it up, I think they found two extra shades of beige to act to add to the beige board. But did I tell you, Leon, in the big beige box, they actually have three boards. Crazy. So let me let me tell you about those. The first board, that's the standard board, it's a map of mostly Germany and some other parts of Europe. The second board, you'll never guess where it is. No, then I won't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Antarctica. I'll tell you. Australia. It's mostly Germany and oh. some other bits of Europe, but different bits of Germany and Europe to the first board. Okay. I wouldn't have guessed. Just that, to, to change fair. it up a bit. Yep. So, you know, you get lots of replay. But in the third board, you're never going to guess. Is it's it? the UK. Oh. Or mostly England and Scotland, I believe. Oh. But it just, it's a, it's a, as, because it's an island, it's much tighter. It's more difficult to move around. There's less options. I think it perhaps is better for sort of the three players because it is very tight and you really have to get in there and mess it up. Whereas when you've got the whole of Germany to play, you can go all over the place. Um, so it has three boards in the big beige box. A uh, couple of extra added expansions and sort of options. But I don't know that you need those because surprisingly, look, maybe I've made it sound a little bit beige this game. No, boring. not at all. I've no. not heard that word said at least 20 times. But look, I have to be honest. I had forgotten that I'd played this game years ago. And when our good friend Aos <laughs> bought this out at BorderCon and we said, well, Aos, we've got... 90 minutes to two hours to fill. What exciting bag of tricks have you got there? And he pulled out a small beige box with a picture of a non-plus gentleman with a sort of three-quarter look off to the distance, one eye to the camera and one eye in another direction. I wasn't thinking, oh, here we go, 90 minutes to two hours of awesome fun. I was like, oh, my goodness, it's Eurogame the Eurogame. But I had a great time. It's quite tight. It's quite short. The turns go quickly. You're always involved because on other people's turns, generally, they're trying to screw you over, so they're displacing you, which means you're going to get to put other pieces down. Um, it doesn't drag. As I said, that 20-point that trigger that triggers the end of the game, there's a couple of others, but mostly it's going to be the 20-point trigger that triggers the end of the game. I just felt like I couldn't get enough of this game, so much so that I suggested that when we went away for our weekend away, we play it there. Yes, and we did. Wow. We did. And look, 
this game is so much better than it looks. Mm. Uh, and it just shows, I think, that the quality of the components, the art, all of that has, has massively increased over the, in the last decade or so of gaming. You know, I, I, I don't joke when I say this game looks much older than 2010 yeah. because it would be very comfortable sitting in you know games that were from the 90s or the early 2000s as well. But it just is... It just is a really tight, competitive, short Euro. Hmm. And that's great because you are never short of things to do because you have got multiple actions that you can, you know, be placing some cubes out or you can be bringing them down from your bag or you can be trying to increase your actions or taking the roots or doing this thing. So there's lots of things that you're going to be doing. But even when you're not having your turn, you are actively involved in everyone else's turn because... There are going to be times where your cubes are, are displaced and you're going to be able to go, oh, I'm going to place them on one of those adjacent routes. Or you're gaining some victory points because someone has um, claimed, a, claimed a route on, on a place where you have an office at one or both ends. There is always engagement and it does actually play that quick, which is surprising, especially around this table mm. where we usually pay a very heavy time tax. And it can't be said, the tension between... I've scored that trade route. I really want to put an office down because A, well, when other people complete the route, I, I get bonus points. But B, I get to score my longest trade route. So I really want those offices. But if I upgrade one of my five things on my desk, that's going to mean all my future actions are going to be better or I'm going to be able to do more of them or I'm going to score more points at the end of the game. There is a real tension with which of those two things you choose because you, of course you want the points, but of course you want to get better at doing your stuff. And sometimes it's really like, oh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, go. Sorry, <laughs> I was just having a stroke. Yes, I, I, I saw that. It wasn't just, yeah, I thought, is he smelling toast? He has that little <laughs> Anywho, um, I was going to say that it speaks volumes that the fact that you guys did play this at BorderCon and then not long after you suggested to play it again because in the situation we're in, quite luckily, by being sent stuff and having to play stuff because of the show, we play stuff not as much as what we'd like to and we've got to get the new hotness to the table. Yep. So outside of when we get things like an Ark Nova where we go, right, we've got to play this three or four times in the next week or two so we can get really stuck into it, you wanted to play it again for a game that's 10, 12 years old, that no one was shouting for us, oh, I can't wait to hear what the boys have to say about that. Yep. But you wanted to do it again. And the fact that you said that it was short, I like the fact that I've seen it on a table for, and it looks like a proper size, no, a Euro game. Yeah. It looks like an, an El Grande, which is going to take you your two hours or your more, depending on how it goes. But it can play in like 90-odd minutes, mm. and that's awesome. And I think it is definitely a game that would get even quicker again once you've got it nailed. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. The, the rules aren't complicated. But there are quite a few moving pieces, and and every turn does matter. So you can't just have a you know a, a couple of turns where you go, oh, I'm just going to do this and this and forget about it because it will absolutely impact your score. Uh, I, look, I don't like that I like it because I feel like I should like something that looks much better than this. <laughs> Even though I love 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 Euros, this is right up there. It is actually a really deserving game yeah. it should be in the, the hundred if it if it's you know 101 a couple more votes will get it in yeah 100 uh, and i could be completely wrong but i'm pretty sure the last time i checked a while ago when it comes to big boxes i actually think it was relatively money wise yes was reasonable for a big box game. yep wow. and look i mean i think the big box version is probably the one you see out and about now 
But if you can pick up the other version, yeah. absolutely do. Because as I said, apart from extra boards and a couple of expansions, yes, add a few little wrinkles. You, the, there's plenty in the base game. There's absolutely plenty in it. Cool. 100%. All there right, you go. Mike, is there anything else you need to educate us about, you know, the, the food or the hygiene from the 1300s? Neither, neither food nor hygiene were that prevalent in the 13th century Europe, I don't think, Garth. So I think we should move on. Excellent. Something hip and wild and stylish. stylish. Yeah. Well, we're not going to do that now because apparently we've got to put a break in <laughs> because that's what we do. Format. All right. So thank you very much, Mark, for that history lesson mm. slash review of Hansa Teutonica. And we'll be back after this break. Hello, everybody. This is Steve O'Rourke from New York. Congratulations on your good taste in gaming and podcasts. You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Welcome back after that break of whatever it was. Might have been a Patreon ad. So jump on a Patreon and type in Dice Men Cometh and maybe put your money in there. Is that how Patreon works? Uh, it does. It does. And I will be waiting with bated breath. Now, I say bated breath... But I was doing a little bit of research the other day because I wanted to write down bated breath and use the expression bated breath when I was talking about bated breath. And you know what I realised? It's not a dead language though, Leon. Okay. It comes from Shakespeare and it's not spelt B-A-I-T-E-D as in when you put the stuff you put on the hook. Uh-huh. It's B-A-T-E-D, which is not really a word, but it's short for abated uh-huh. as in... You're stopping your breath. Good old Willie Shakespeare that comes from. You are learning so much on this show tonight, Leon. I want to talk about a board game about graffiti. Can I do that? <laughs> he said, please, yeah. the youth of today. Yeah, look at oh. that. All right. Well, Leon, yes, you better talk to us about a game called Wild Style. <laughs> you don't need to do the... <laughs> oh, hold on. Literally Who got... needs buttons? No, oh. the, re- the, the record, man. Oh, Yes, that one. Yeah, those two. Stop it. Stop it. Stop playing the other ones. No. <laughs> oh, Dr. Dirty. No, stop pressing it. Just that record scratch. Get ready for that one. All right, I'm, I'm ready. But not any of the other Cut it up, Dr. Dirr. Okay. Anyway, we were luckily... We were lucky to be sent uh, a game by our good friends at Let's Play Games. A game called Wild Style. Thank you, Garth. By Pandasaurus Games. This game is for two to five players, and it takes about 40 minutes-ish. No, no. Only when I, only when I say the word... Wild style. Yeah. No, not when Mark says it. This oh, is sorry. my section, only when I say it. <laughs> this is my section, only I may dance. All right. Anywho. So... It is designed by a person by the name of Peter Ridgway, and it's his first game. Ooh. Get your finger off that button. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you roughly know when it's going to be me. <laughs> and it's art by a Filipino-born artist by the name of Yappy Agoncillo, who is a freelance illustrator and muralist, which Ooh. is a fancy way of saying criminal. <laughs> no, I jest. I love a graph artist. They are amazing. A few friends of mine do it, and we should have more of them that do it really, really well. And from a quick Google of this man's work, ooh, does it look pretty. Mm. So, this game, welcome to Wild Style. Seamless. 
where the city is your canvas and the streets belong to the people. Rock to the beat of your favourite pirate radio station. Mark, have you got, have you got any history lessons on pirate radio stations? Uh, I, uh, I remember when I were on a pirate radio station. Anything. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, while you and your crew tag the city, make sure your rivals know what where their turf ends. Their Hashtag turf, city. Where their turf ends and yours begin. Watch out for the man, though, because not everyone in the city appreciates your artistic endeavours, and they might call the fuzz on you. No, no, no that was... Oh, fine. We were, we were. No, yeah. we needed the... Oh, oh, okay, hold on, hold on. Yes, often the police make the... Yes, that sound. So the goal of the game is to tag locations across the city uh, with your crew's colours. You'll do this by collecting sets of cards with matching location icons. Each time you collect a set of three cards that have all the same icon, you get to place a tag on a hex uh, with that icon anywhere on the map, which sounds kind of cool. It mm. sounds like a game we're talking about here, it isn't it? It does. Mm. It very much does. So this game is played over three rounds. Now here is the big, colourfully painted, graffitied elephant in the room. There's no turns. What? What? Yes, that is appropriate for the record scratch because this game is it's what we call in the hobby a real-time game. Thank you, Garth. I very much appreciate that because I traditionally very much dislike even the dreaded H word, hate real-time mm, games. You do. So, what am I going to think about this? We're going to find out in a minute. <laughs> So like I said, there is no turns. Everyone's doing everything simultaneously. Once a round has started, everyone takes their actions at the same time in any order they choose. And Mark, much like your desk, there are five main actions. Actionis. Yes, but there is no desks in this game because uh. desks are for squares, yo. And we're out about on the streets doing stuff. So what you can do is you can draw a card, which is so gangster. You can draw a card from the top of any draw pile and put it into your hand. However, your hand can never have more than three cards, Mark. Mm. Never have more than three cards, which is a thing that during the chaos of this being real time, you're definitely going to forget. Yeah. You need to probably make sure everyone else on the table is attempting to behave themselves, but it's you're probably going to slip up from time to time. It's, it's probably not the end of the world. Yeah, I do like how the rules say, okay, you should you should keep your cards in one hand and you should yeah. only use your other hand to, to do the collection and the drop-off to try and sort of mitigate not just have those complete stuff-ups over and over and over again. The other action you can do is add to a set, which is where you play a card from your hand or from the top of the share pile onto a set pile on your crew mat, which is where... Yes, which is right in front of you, which is where you're going to be putting the sets that you're trying to make. So there's various different share piles out there you can be drawing cards from. You can take it directly there and put it onto that crew mat, but you can only do that if you have two cards in your hand because technically the action involves going into your hand and then onto the mat. But in the rule book, they say you can skip the middleman and put it straight onto the crew mat, but you must pretend like it's gone into your hand first. So there can't be three cards in there, Mark. Stop doing that. Mm -hmm. It's a thing that we all do. Definitely did it <laughs> multiple times oh, yes. when we're playing it because it's kind of crazy. Well, it's part of the fun of a real-time game is that everyone's making mistakes. Yeah. So, or you can play a card from your hand onto a share pile that is empty or has the matching colour or icon on top of it, which 
the thing, these cards, they have their icons showing you all the different kind of areas you can go to, but they have different colours as well, which is very, very nice. You can complete a set, which is clear a set of three cards from your crew mat and place a tag on the matching game hex. Now, this game has a hex board that's in the middle, which is you're going to be trying to place out your different tags as quickly as you can. You're going to get six in the opening round, and the round is actually going to end once two people, when a three-player game, it was two people, placed their... Uh, tokens out and then the other person can quickly finish up their kind of turn and place theirs out as well but that's the kind of indicator that it's about to come to an end and oh that can be stressful when you see that board starting Mm -hmm. to fill up absolutely but i think that's really cool Mm. because you know in some real-time games there's so much pressure to be the first to do the thing yeah you know because you might get a bonus or you might get to sit back and relax but it does just say in the rules that if you're the last you can you can keep going within a couple of rules, until you cannot do anything anymore. So it doesn't necessarily punish the slowest player too dramatically, which I think is cool. Yes. But also, because the other people aren't playing, they're not then discarding, picking up and discarding cards, which is changing the available options you've got. So all of a sudden, your available options sort of quickly dry up, which means you sometimes you can't do a lot, but it is quite us. Yeah. What you can also do is rush a set. So if you don't have, you're trying to finish this set of, say, the you know police location or the industrial location, but you just can't seem to get that card. No one's putting them out on the share piles. You can't seem to find it anywhere. What you can do is rush a set. And by doing that, you take a cop car token, the fuzz. We want, we want. <laughs> That's, I haven't got that button. Yeah. Uh, to clear an incomplete set and place a tag on the matching map. However, at the end of the game, you will have to take a, a tag off the map completely for how many cop car tokens that you have. <laughs> That's very appropriate. So the end of the round, like I said, is triggered once several people have put their things out. Then the tags that you've put out, if you couldn't put out your six tags, you get to keep the ones that you have until the next round. So you're not disadvantaged. You actually have more. So you could have like a power round the next round while the other person only has six tags. So it can kind of balance itself out. You probably wouldn't specifically keep some for the next round, but you never know. Once the strategy kicks in a little bit, it might be a good idea to do it. And the board itself that you're actually putting stuff out on, it's got your double-sided board technology. And you can play stuff in all different kind of orientations. So the board will change each game that you play it, which is fun. Uh, And there, after three rounds, you'll tally up your score based off various different things. There are different uh, end-of-game scoring that you can have each time that you play it, depending on things like, you know, if you have your tags in a straight line, you'll get this many points. If you've got them around a certain location, you'll get this many points. So that'll change things up as well. And after three rounds, this game says it takes, you know, 40-ish minutes, that would be for your first game, I'd say. Yeah. After that, you're getting this out. You could play this whole game in 15 minutes, I think, quite easily. Yep. So that's the game. That is Wild Style. <laughs> Lovely work there. Look, so... this, this game is a bit of a surprise, actually. Mm. You know, because you look at it and you see the cool art on the box. And you go, yep, I get exactly the theme of this game. Mm. But I don't understand how it works. And thankfully, the rule book, which is very, very thin is very very clear it does tell you those five actions very succinctly there's not really any confusions that you have which is what a real-time game needs it needs very clear yet simple instructions because everyone knows as soon as you start this game half the rules are going to get thrown out anyway you're just going to go oh i can't do this and you'll be spending your turn going oh you've got three cards and you've got this and 
you need to just be able to go, okay, what am I doing? I'm picking up a card or I'm putting a card down or I'm moving a card across or I'm collecting a set or doing a set. I'm, I'm doing these couple of simple things that I can get. And oh, I've got to get my, my tags out, but I've only got these six unless you mark where you're cheating because you're taking some from what, these what, other what, reserve what, what, piles. And somehow after one round, Mark had nine tags out. Yeah, the first may round. have slightly misunderstood that rule. Yeah. <laughs> Counting to six, bit of an issue. <laughs> But it, it, it looks, at the at the end of the first round, it looks really cool. Because yeah. you've been able to put out you know, various colours of, of tags in a, in a three or four player game. You've got all the three or four colours of, of tags coming out and you've got patterns emerging. I, I was quite surprised and impressed with this game. Yeah, and I'm not sure if Leon mentioned this because I mostly don't pay attention to when he talks, but... The little the the special scoring that is changed each game, where you get bonus points if you make a horizontal row, or if you get bonus points if you manage to connect a train station, some train track, and another train station, or if you make a particular shape. I think there's quite a few different lot of variations, and so rather than just going yep 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 sets of three and smash it down as quick as you can you've got the incentive to try and score in particular ways because you're going to get bonus points. And it is quite a tight game. I seem to remember the scores yeah. in this game. You know, There's only like one or two points separated the three of us. But I have to say, I also am not a fan of real-time games because I like to sit and think, let my brain tick over. No, you'd like to say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sit and talk every move out loud. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. But as you said, Garth, there's there's few enough rules that it's not confusing, apart from the fact that I put out too many discs in the first round. Yes. But because you've got those two or three scoring conditions, straight away you're looking for, okay, I need to go there. But if I want to go there, I need to go there. Um, Garth's going to go there, so I think I'll go there instead. You can make quite quick decisions, and you a lot of the time you've got quite a lot of cards to choose from because you've got all the different discard piles, but you're often sitting there wanting, I need a purple train station or I need a pink tree or whatever, and then you sit and you grab it and you go quickly and look, at the, it's there's a lot of impetus there. The game doesn't drag at all, um, and... Yeah, it's quite quick. I had I had fun. Yeah, it's a surprisingly, game. I must admit, it's a game where, like you said, you can have a strategy in your head going like, right, for maximum points, I want to try to do this, 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 and this, which could work out in your favour depending on how the cards get played. But there is also definitely a strategy in going, ah, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing right this second. Oh, but I can pick up these three factories, boom, 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 and just get it done. Mm. What that is then doing is, is you're giving yourself some points at, at the very least, and what you're doing is making that round wrap up quicker if somebody else has got that kind of not analysis paralysis because you don't really have time for that but they've got their strategy that they want you could be screwing that up by going faster yeah exactly so yeah right so like i said before so the real talk now the reason i don't like um real-time games and it's a thing that realistically i've had my entire life with things like video games that i've played growing up and i didn't know what it was for years i was just thinking anytime there was a time limit i didn't like, like it at all and the re- what it comes down to is anxiety. I've suffered from anxiety my entire life. Even though I'm a relatively outspoken, confident person, especially in like groups and whatnot, anxiety is a thing I've always had. And it comes down to, I'm, all, I'm a planner. I plan out everything in my head. I've been known to say to Garth, I've got the next six moves in a game planned out. <laughs> but the reason, I can, the reason I can do that is because the time. I can sit there and look at it 
and get that in my head. Whereas when you chuck in the idea of real time, mm. there's a time limit on that. And that's where my mind just goes to mush. And it's a thing that I've had to, not necessarily struggle with. I wouldn't I'd say I've had you know the worst life because of it, but it's a thing that's there. So when it comes down to real time, I don't enjoy them. And the whole point is I play games to enjoy them. So when we first started playing this, I didn't know it was real time until I started reading the rules. And I was like, oh no, as soon as I saw that, I went, well, I would never would have bought it if I knew that. I didn't buy it. Luckily, it was sent to us. Thank you very much. Let's play games. But when we first played it, if we played the first round of it, you guys have got all your chits out. I'd got like two out of my six out. Mark had got out nine. <laughs> from I was making up for the ones that you didn't put down, Leon. And I was just like, yep, I'm not. I was like, yep, I hate this as much as like, you know, the game looks good. Mechanically, it makes sense. But, but I hate this. I absolutely hate this. However, whereas the next two rounds, once I kind of got my head into, right, what I can do and don't, you know, procrastinate too much, just kind of get out, get things done. It started to alleviate that a little bit. And then by the time I got to the third round, it got to the point where I was putting them out at the same speed and the same everything else as what you guys were. My my mind wasn't going into overdrive. It was just trying to make sense of the situation in front of it. And that's why at the end of it, I can't remember who won. I did. You did. But we were all... You managed to have 45 tokens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were, I think, first. as you said, we were all literally within like yeah, a point or close. two points. Whereas that first round, I was I got slaughtered. If that game was a one-round game, you guys had quadrupled five times my score. But by the end of it, I had kind of glocked it in my head and figured it out from there. So to be able to do that from somebody that looks at these kind of mechanics and goes, nope, straight away, and don't want anything to do with it, as it went on, which was, you know, again, only half an hour of my life, it just started to make a lot more sense. And now I would happily play this, even yep. though, now that I know what it is. I know a lot of people that have things like anxiety, that's normally the things that once you know it, you become a lot more comfortable. And this game, after a round, I was comfortable in that, oh, okay, I now, now just stop thinking of what you're doing. You pick up that set and just do it, get things done. Yep. And it made, it was good. That's I like great. it. Yeah. Thank, thank you for your honesty, Leon. I mean, you know, because that's that's transcending games into into a more you know in depth uh, Leon analysis. But it is it is absolutely true. Yeah, because um, I've had similar conversations with people about a much more in depth real time game called U Boot, which I absolutely love, yeah. and it is super duper thematic and super duper intense. But some people. Hate yeah. that. That's the reason I haven't played it. Yeah, because of that. I mean, I remember Captain Sonar, a game that yeah. I can understand is such a good game. Yeah, but yeah, the real timeness of that. It, it, it's and you know when you're like the, the navigator and you have to listen to everything, and if you mishear one thing, <laughs> you're out. And when yep. you've got anxiety in your head that's saying you've just got to focus on this one thing. Ignore everybody else. You got to focus on this one thing. You'd be amazed how you don't focus on yeah. that one thing <clears throat> for two seconds, and then you're done, and you think you've let everybody down. It's a whole spiral of hell. Yeah, and, and look, we did talk about this during either before we even started, or maybe after the first round. Yeah, um, we were discussing about could it be played not in real time, and yes. just you know, do a turn, do a turn, do a turn, and you were trying to to sort of convince that it would be a game from memory? I think that it absolutely would work. The turns would be lightning fast, which is a fine thing, but it would go out the window if somebody went, okay, it's not real time, it's a turn-based game like every other board game, so we are going to... So when it comes to my turn, I can go, right, what's the best thing for me to yeah. do? If you did that, that would take away the entire wild style, if you will, thank you, of this game. But if everyone did 
stick to the kind of like, you know, have a turn, then it's your turn. All right, well, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. It could be done. Mm-hmm. It absolutely could be done. So I don't want pe- people to go, no, even though you went well with it, Leon, I might not. You could absolutely play this game without this mechanic and just quickly house rule it and go, no, you do have a turn. Can you just be quick about it because it kind of defeats the purpose otherwise? It could be done. Yeah, that won't make people anxious at all, the old, hurry up, hurry up, come on, <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. Yes, I know. It's it's a contradiction in terms, which is very much where anxiety comes into it as yes. well. All right, well, look, that was Wild Style. <laughs> Correct. Real-time game. Thank yeah. you very much, uh, Pandasaurus, and let's play games for that one. Before we wrap up, though... Mark, do you want to squeak in a bit of fast pace? Oh, absolutely. So I've got some news from the National Toy Hall of Fame at the Strong Museum in Rochester, New York now. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, you're welcome. So I have talked about these annual nominees and inductees to the National Toy Hall of Fame in the US before, but probably not for three or four years And this one grabbed my eye because what I saw was amongst the 2022 nominees include such amazing games as Bingo. Yay! Toys like Masters of the Universe action figures. (gasps) Another great game, Racco. Sure. Phase 10. Nerf. But wait for it. Catan. Catan. So... These are um, some of the nominees. And later on, on I think it's November the 10th, they will announce which uh, toys, usually there's three of those, of three things will be inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame. Now, in the past, let's talk about a couple of years ago. So in 2017, we had Clue, or Cluedo, as we know it here, inducted along with the paper aeroplane and the wiffle ball. In 2018, you know, or as some people know it, as Uno was inducted along with Pinball and the Magic 8-Ball. In 2019, they inducted Colouring Books and Matchbox Cars along with Magic the Gathering. In 2020, it was Baby Nancy, Sidewalk Chalk and Jenga. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. Baby Nancy? Yep. As it's a like, doll. Oh, right. Yeah, cool. it's I was a like, doll. I was like, what on earth is baby? <laughs> right, on earth. Barbie. Uh, in 2021, another doll, the American Girl doll, you may have heard of that. I do know about um, A game called Risk. Oh. And get this. Huh? How's this for innovation? Sand. You can play with it. I mean, you can play with anything. Sand was inducted Don't. into the 2021 <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. So... As I mentioned before we started this whole section, I will be watching with bated breath to see if Catan can make it in. Now, crazily... I'll be watching with wild style. Yeah. Um, Now, you can vote publicly, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's closed already. Um, The public votes basically count for one vote of four, and then there'll be like a panel of experts that, that makes up the other three votes. Yep. And then you'll have those um, three things be inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame. Interesting. There you go. Very prestigious. So will Gatan get in? Yeah, is it like the first sort of Euro game? Sorry, what are them? What's it up against again? Uh, Bingo. 
Yep. Master of the Universe action figures, mm. Nerf toys, Racco, Phase 10. I mean, look, you know I can understand, but Phase 10? Phase 10 is no you know. I, I think you'll find Phase 10 and Racco uh, got no chance. Yeah, <laughs> not against Catan. Look, I, I'd have to say bingo again. And I mean, yeah. Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe is huge, but Nerf is also massive yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's it's a crapshoot. There's, there's about four there and there's only three. Well, four. there seems to be a trend where they do a toy, a game... And sand. And something, <laughs> something totally obvious. Totally like obvious. The like paper aeroplane. Like stick. Sand. Yeah. Chalk. Um, Colouring books. Anyway. Interesting. They've got, they've got stuff they need to do at the National Toy Hall of Fame there. Uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting because we haven't had some news for a while. Yeah. There you go. Well, look, that's us. That's yeah, us dude. for yet another episode. In fact, episode 300. And 40. And 40 <gasps> believe it or not. not. Far off from 350. Yeah, exactly. I'd say roughly 10 episodes. Give so, or take, yes. <laughs> so look, it has been a full-on episode again. I I feel like I haven't had to do much, which is really nice. So thank you very much, Mark and Leon, for talking about Hands of Teutonica and Wildstyle. Garth, what you could have done, though, is you could have mentioned... That if you like what you hear, if you like it so much you think it's worth paying for, well, you don't have to because you can listen to this episode for free. But if you want even more, you can get access to our secret episode, which is round about two hours of extra after dark adult content. You can also get custom dice. You can get free entries into our huge board game giveaway. We give away board games every couple of months, every quarter in fact, and you get bonus entries into our normal competitions and look, I don't know, but I've sort of got a feeling that there might be a really huge competition coming up as we get towards the pointy end of the year. Yeah. Oh yes, it, Christmas is just around the corner. Mm. Yeah, and it very much, it helps keep the lights on it. It bought the equipment that we have in mind. Mm. It's sending you two to PAX, yep. which yes. is I'm sure where the next episode will be plenty of talk about. I'll probably just stay at home for that one because why bloody bother? <laughs> That's the spirit, Leon. Yeah. Spirit of gaming and inclusiveness. But yes, no, it is. I hope you guys have fun. I hope you're safe. And <laughs> play lots of games, talk yeah. to lots of people. Yes. Lots of people buy us drinks and food. And buy lots of games for Leon. Yeah. Absolutely. But also make sure you go check out the Collaboratory, yeah. which is there. There's a lot of um, up and coming and independent Australian designers mm-hmm. who are there. Um, there's going to be a lot of little Australian booths in the tabletop area that we will be certainly spending a lot of time in and around. And obviously, we're more than happy to have a chat and say hello to anyone who wants to listen to us. Uh, because we just talk to people. That's yeah, what we do. We like talking. Absolutely. And if you've got a game, we're always up for a game. Absolutely. So this has been episode 340. I've been Garth. I've been Mark. I've also been Leon, apparently. And now it's time for us to go. Bye. See ya. Toodle-oo. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.